Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Try painting or piano or travel the world or something because... I think that's when the greatest ideas come to you is when you're just having fun and trying things out and it helps you to be less serious too. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, my name is Gina Felter. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about six months. When COVID hit and things were shutting down, I figured it was the perfect opportunity for me to make the most use of my time and surround myself with some like-minded people, learn new skills, and even have some encouragement along the way. I enjoy listening to the Women in Tech podcast because I love hearing the various journeys of the guests on the show. I love hearing about the variety of industry that they come from and even their background as to what led them into technology. You can connect with me on social media and on Instagram at Gina Felter. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. So I've been off social media for about a week and a half. Something happened and I just wanted to be offline. I wanted to just have more space for my brain. (laughs) And whoa, I feel like my brain's been healing. It's weird. It's like, I didn't expect this. I didn't stop being on social media for an intentional like social media is unhealthy reason. I just needed space. And, but in the time that I've been taking offline and not completely offline because I've been working. So just really, you know, social media browsing and all this kind of stuff, it literally feels like my brain's healing. I have more space for thoughts. I know that that sounds so corny saying it out loud, but I feel like we have so many distractions, there's no space to process anymore, to just reflect and process. And so I'm really loving seeing how my actions are different and my kind of impulses are different when my default isn't to check Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or any of this. I took them all off or TikTok And that time is filled with maybe an audible book or just quiet or cooking or something, you know? I don't know. Maybe this is all cheesy. Anyway, I recommend a little social media detox if you can do it. 
even for just a couple days or 72 hours, like it's been really, 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 really nice. And it's made me kind of step back and think, where do I want social media to fit into my life? I think one of the things that inspired me is I was listening to a Meghan Markle interview on the podcast Teenage Therapy, and she talked about like how social media tells us what we want to see rather than us deciding how we want to utilize it. And she's like, but we can choose. The choice is ours to decide how we want to utilize social. We don't have to let social dictate to us how it should be used and what what we see. Like removing customized ads and this kind of stuff just... I use a plugin called Facebook and Twitter Newsfeed Eradicator, and that helps a ton to not get distracted. And okay, enjoy the next episode. Bye. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest. Welcome from Austin, Texas, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. What an intro. <laughs> Lauren, I want to dive into it because you have such an interesting background. To get started, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Awesome. Well, my name is Lauren Goldstein. I am the founder and CEO of Golden Key Partnership, which is a globally recognized business strategy company, which I love running. I also dipped my toe into running a SaaS company, which we'll (laughs) talk about later. My clients fondly refer to me as the business doctor because one of my superpowers is really getting into a business, diagnosing what's keeping you stuck so you can scale more efficiently, profitably, and sustainably. I love it. And this show is all about connection. Normally, I leave this till the end, but I want to kind of switch it up today because I had the pleasure of having an amazing clarity call with you. And you really understand operations and leadership strategy. Where can people connect with you as they listen and they start cyber stalking you? Let's just jump into (laughs) like, how do we connect? And then we'll get into the conversation. Awesome. So I... Obviously, my website is goldenkeypartnership.com. My handle for most things is at G-L-D-N-K-E-Y. And so you can find me on Facebook at Golden Key Partnership or on Instagram or Twitter. And happy to connect. I always love connecting with awesome other women in tech. And what's the main thing by connecting with you that people would achieve? Ooh, that's a great question. I like to think that the best thing that you get from connecting with me is access to my unique problem-solving brain. I have a lot of people in my network who just ping me and say, hey, I had this thought or this problem. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and having the power of connecting and seeing how all the dots come together. Amazing. So yeah, I know all of you that are longtime listeners are like, what? Right at the beginning. But I think that's what this show is about. It is about having a really connective community. And so now you know how to find Lauren. So let's get into it. Lauren, when did you first become excited about technology? Oh, wow. I mean, if we're going really far back, I would say it was probably in like the third grade where I was one of the first people in the computer lab. (laughs) And uh, my teachers used to say, like, she's just so excited about it. She picks it up so quickly. 
Yeah. I just, I love technology and how it, it enables us to have so much information at our fingertips and connect us and make a bigger impact. So yeah, I'd say it started really early. And when would you say you started your professional endeavors? I know that you're now an entrepreneur. Did you start out your professional life being an entrepreneur? Or did you have a stint in between where you dabbled the nine to five? <laughs> I dabbled the nine to five in actually a really surprising way. So my degree is in cognitive neuroscience and I was going to be a doctor. That was the plan. And so before I became an entrepreneur, I was working in pediatric neurology and epilepsy research and just about to, to go down the path to, to being a full-time doctor. And then I realized that as much as I loved those tiny humans and being in the medical field, insurance companies make practicing medicine and doing what's best for patients really hard. And I think I also secretly am a really bad employee because I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> And so I, I left, you know, I, I gave notice and, and left that pl decade plus career behind. And now I get to be the business doctor, which is a little bit more fun. When did you start your company? 2011, actually. Tell us about your company and what inspired the company. And then we'll get into how you in tandem started building a SaaS company. So you had two companies at once, but company number one <laughs> that is still here today. Tell us about that one. So I would love to say I had like some, you know, lightning bolt of intuition or something, but I didn't. I was actually feeling very lost after I left the medical field. I mean, I'd spent as long as I can remember in that area. And so I um, did what every good entrepreneur does and model success. So, you know, I hired Tony Robbins coaches and I, I read like every business book, self-help book possible to figure out how I could translate at all what I'd learned in the medical field to business or entrepreneurship. It actually was the urging of a couple of my mentors who said, you have such a unique brain with how you can connect dots that other people don't see or, you know, solve problems. And, and so I'd always loved fixing things. And so they said, why don't you become a consultant? And that was back in the day when consulting wasn't cool. <laughs> so it was a lot of uh, failing forward, trial and error, and recognizing that really one of my superpowers is, you know, having entrepreneurs come to me and say, this is the state of the union. These are our challenges. And then the way my brain works, it's just like this puzzle. I can see all of them coming together to form like a really efficient, simple plan one of my favorite things to do is make things simple. So that's kind of how I got into it. It was it was a little bit of a slog. And I, I will admit there were many days when I was like, what the heck am I doing? I should just go back to corporate America. And, you know, during those first few years, I'll admit I, I did it as a as a side hustle. You know, I had other paying gigs to pay the bills as I built it. But now I'll go on almost 10 years, which is really exciting. And tell us a little bit more about your company, just so everybody could have contacts. I've had the pleasure, as I mentioned earlier, of having a clarity call with you. What does it really look like? Like, who are your target customers and how do you serve them? I work with mostly seven to multi-seven figure businesses who have teams of five plus. And what really I am in, in simple terms is an interim COO. And the way that I describe it is if your business was a body 
the head is the CEO, the heart is marketing, the arms are operations, the legs are your customers, revenue is the blood flow. What I am is the nerve network that connects to the backbone to make sure all those moving pieces of your business are moving forward in the right direction. And you don't have an arm over here flailing, going in the different direction or whatnot. And so really the two types of clients we work with are businesses who have, you know, reached capacity and are really looking to scale either their systems, their operations, or their team, but they're not sure where to prioritize first to make that a sustainable and effective scaling strategy. Or, you know, the people that kind of struck gold and they grew too fast and now they've kind of built a house of cards where if they have too much more influx, something's going to give. And so in both of those cases, I come in and make sure the foundation's really secure because anytime you have friction in your business, it creates leaks in revenue, leaks in time. So I come in and I really make sure that you're set up for scaling success, that you have the right team to help you do that, that the operations and the systems are working efficiently, seamlessly, and simply. I love it. And I think we all want to dive into your brain and know how we could simplify our work lives. (laughs) One of the things that I loved about our call, and then we're going to get into when you started your SaaS company, is you said that you help people find their workflow state in relation to their team. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. That's actually such a fun topic I could talk about for hours. So a lot of times what I see with CEOs when they're making the transition from, you know, I jokingly say chief everything officer to actual CEO and leader or business operator to business owner, they hire people just to get tasks done instead of hiring people that complement their unique talents and superpowers, if you will. And so I use a tool designed by Roger Hamilton called Wealth Dynamics. And we actually type all of our clients to see how their team fits in with their unique talents. And it's very fun because what it actually enables you to do is have true flow in your team, which I know sounds wooey, but flow is simply the path of least resistance. It helps the the leadership of the company actually have the right energies and right people doing the right things. Because a lot of times when you have an ineffective team, It's not necessarily that the person doesn't have the capability. Maybe they don't have the capacity. Maybe they're not a culture fit. Or maybe you just have the wrong butt in the wrong seat or the right butt in the wrong seat. (laughs) And while you're building out this company that you still have today that you've had for 10 years, in that journey, one day you're like, I'm going to build a SaaS company. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How did that come about? And what did your SaaS company do? And everybody who that doesn't know SaaS stands for software as a service. So this actually came from the result of I work also. Uh, the, the second hat I, I have is we have a family business. And so I don't really work full time in there, but I technically my title is COO. And we were having a problem with basically there was a plug in with the website that I felt wasn't efficiently getting the job done. I joke because you think when when you have an idea that it's going to be so much more simple than it is. And I was like, screw this. This is terrible. Let's build our own. Then we can sell it. It's going to be great. We're going to make a million dollars. You know, typical, like, I've got a dream. I'm going to build it kind of. I also love that, like, you simplified your life and your team so much that you had all this extra time to, like, (laughs) go experiment building a SaaS company. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
I did. It's very true. We are very efficient. But I will tell you when you are out of flow and doing something that is not your superpower, (laughs) it doesn't matter how much time you have. It is soul sucking. Why that's really important is because I was like, yeah, let's just build this. It's going to be great. And it was great. Like the end product is great, but we spent a lot of time and a lot of money for me to have one of my mentors. Another reason why mentors are so important go, you really want to run a company on something that's like, like that versus (laughs) like a, like a true SaaS company, which is like, you get a login and, and like for this particular thing is a WooCommerce plugin. And I was like, Oh my God, you're so right. How did I not see this? And it's, it's very much as a cobbler shoe story where I didn't take my own advice. If I had hired myself as a business strategist, none of this would have happened, but I was too close to it. I was too close to it. So it's successful in terms of we built the product. It's not successful because we didn't sell anything. And essentially when, <laughs> when Lauren uses terms like WooCommerce plugin, I, and Lauren correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially she built an element of a bigger picture and the element didn't have all the software company layers attached from subscription models to big, robust, like, you know, scaling efforts. It was like a small piece in a big picture. And so it would also probably be very narrow on who had a pain point for that certain piece she was, you know, uh, she was building for. And then how do those people who even have that pain point find that she built this plugin? So do I have it right? Exactly. Yeah. You do. Yeah. It's it's part of a huge ecosystem, which the more I dived into it, the more my little efficiency brain exploded because I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many ways this could go wrong. So totally. we use it for for our business and, and that's that's okay. Maybe I'll try again. <laughs> So what's the one thing you learned before we move forward on your superpowers? What's the one thing you learned about doing two things at one time? I know before we started recording, you had mentioned that one of the reasons your SaaS company didn't work out was because you were doing two things at one time. And I know this term focus is such a trend word, especially in the tech industry. Some people, you know, I I don't know how I feel about the word focus. It really pisses me off that word. (laughs) (laughs) So what what did you learn from that? Yeah. So for me, it, it was about my dad says you can't ride two horses with one ass. And I think that's true (laughs) because you can do it if it's if it's very similar. Like I think, you know, if you look at Richard Branson, for example, even though he's got a diverse portfolio, there's a common thread, right? I was trying to build a SaaS company as a business strategist, right? So I was technically the ideas person, but not the execution person. I knew enough to be dangerous, not enough to be effective, and certainly not enough to be an effective communicator with my team. So for me, part of the reason why it didn't work was because I didn't think through all the layers of opportunity cost. That's what I missed is understanding what the cost of the opportunity actually was. And because it was out of my wheelhouse, I spent a lot of time trying to play catch up, which pulled time away from my team, from my company and my clients. And so it was just, it was really stressful. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned is really dialing into 
what is the cost of the opportunity? And is it something that I can live with either way? And you said something earlier, ideas are a lot more simple in our head when we create them than is actually executing on them. (laughs) Executing on an idea is a whole different like ballpark than just having the fantasy inside our imagination. (laughs) Yes, 100%. And I will tell you that I did everything wrong and the exact opposite of what I tell all my clients to do, which is why they are so successful. I did the exact opposite because I didn't have me, you know, externally consulting me. So yeah, it was a great learning experience, though I'm not happy about the money that we threw down. I feel you. (laughs) Let's talk about that just for a quick second, because I think it's an important point is sometimes people wonder like, well, why should I get a mentor? Why should I get a coach? Like I'm smart enough. But having that outside perspective does offer clarity when you have the right mentor, the right coach. Can you talk about like why having the superpower of being this simplifying clarity, operational leadership strategist, for when you were building this thing yourself, you couldn't give yourself the own guidance you would give others? Totally. So I think it was a little bit ego and a lot of it, it was my baby. And I just was committed to getting it done because I thought it was great and it was going to be easy. And Sometimes we have to kill our darlings when they're really not going to produce the impact or the profits or or whatever the end goal is. I mean, I have two coaches now. I also have a mastermind. Like I'm a big proponent of you have to have that external feedback because you can't read the label when you're in the bottle. And sometimes you're just too close to it to see the potholes, see the There's nothing worse. Keith Cunningham says there's nothing worse than running enthusiastically in the wrong direction. And boy, was I enthusiastic. (laughs) And boy, was I going in the wrong direction. What was your SaaS company called? Golden Key Labs. And you had Golden Key Labs for two years. And when Golden Key Labs, when you shut it down, what was that emotional process like for you? Was it hard? Was it easy? Was it a relief? Was it sad? So, I mean, technically, it's still on the internet. But like when I made the decision that I was not going to make a business out of at least this product, and if I do it in the future, I'm going to do it in a much different way with a different product. But for me, it was, I felt like a huge failure. Like I felt like I spent a lot of time and a lot of money, gave a a piece of my soul and just fell flat on my face. So it felt really crappy. And I can honestly say that when I made that decision, It was equal parts relief and equal parts, wow, this really hurts. And then what happened? And then my other business skyrocketed because I could go back and focus. Let's talk about, I mean, before we transition into that, and I want to talk about that next, when my sports company didn't go where I had visioned for it to go, I fell into a depression for a while. And what I learned, and it's something Tim Ferriss actually talked about in one of his talks, is entrepreneurs attach their identity to what they're building. So if what they're building goes away, they feel like they go away. And that totally happened for me. And now when I build, there's what I'm building and then there's me. And I'm very big on that. that I'm entirely separate. I would never take back the level of passion and commitment I had for my sports company. It was the most epic, terrifying, amazing (laughs) ride. (laughs) But like, but 
I don't, it's not sustainable or healthy. Like I really sacrifice, I truly sacrificed everything about myself to build that. And I think, you know, sacrificing or, or, or that kind of viewpoint, it's okay, but in it, not to lose your identity. I think it's really important to maintain, like, I didn't know what food I liked. I didn't know what movies I liked. I didn't know what I liked to do with my time. Like all these things that just make a, a human a human. I'd r- been running my company for so many years and so just emotionally, physically, financially, everything spiritually invested into the company. So when it wasn't around anymore, I'm like, I'm not around anymore. Who am I? It feels like maybe you didn't have that same experience because you had your other business or did you? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. It feels like maybe you didn't have that same experience because you had your other business or did you? Oh, yes, I can get real and raw. I think if I'm being really honest, the level of failure that I felt, like it probably took a a good 30 to 60 days to get out of feeling like a fraud and a failure. And like, I give all these million dollar companies all this great advice and they go make millions of dollars. And here I am, and I can't even sell one stupid license. And so there was a little bit of a crisis of confidence for sure. And, you know, I was beating myself up for making such a bad financial decision to spend as much money as we did in this piece of technology. So yeah, it it brought up all those things and more. It was not like a happy happy-go-lucky place for a while. I mean, I still was running my other business, but I had this, I felt like maybe being torn in two different places, like in, in Golden Key Partnership, I was, you know, happy-go-lucky doing my best work, but then secretly on the inside and after hours, I was feeling like a fraud and a failure and questioning everything. Yeah. And it's so normal and so human. And I think it's good that we all hear things like this because I I think when we go through it, it feels very alone and isolating. And I hope that, you know, the courage that that you took sharing your vulnerability and sharing my vulnerability like helps everybody listening right now feel like, okay, no matter what I'm going through, it's okay. I'm not alone. This is part of a bigger picture. And one thing that's cool, and you brought this up even with your medical background, is everything that we do helps us level up with future things. We just don't know yet where those skill sets are going to have an impact for us. But I'm sure everything you learned in your SaaS experience like, has helped you level up in other areas that were more in alignment for you. 100%. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is how to, I mean, I'm still not perfect at it, but how to communicate with developers and and around expectations. Like one of my favorite quotes is, unshared expectations are nothing more than predetermined resentments. And I think that's really true because with my team, I would say one thing and they heard something else. And so they'd build what they thought I wanted and it 
was like close, but not what I wanted. And, and there was just a lot of friction. And so it really taught me to get much more clear with my team, get much more clear about my vision and how I communicate with developers because I mean, I love developers. I think, I think though that it's sometimes very hard for someone who's, you know, a little bit more big picture to help them have the details that they need, even though I can get down in the details, but I didn't know that that's what they needed. Thank you so much for being so open. Now, bouncing back to your thriving company where you are living in your superpower, tell us about what do we ask ourselves? Like, how do you help put us on the path to find our own superpowers and our own workflow states where we are attracting the right team members? Great question. So I think the biggest differentiation is looking at busy versus productive. And I was reading a book the other day and they said, busy is lazy. And I had never heard that before, but I, I think that's very accurate because I think a lot of times what we do as leaders and entrepreneurs is we run around putting out fires instead of, you know, effectively running our day. And so the first step to having a really world-class team is the awareness of where you spend your time. So like one of the first things we do with our clients, you know, we quote unquote diagnose and that's taking (laughs) our clients hate this. It's so painful, but it's so awesome. We make them do uh, for a whole week, we make them track their time and we look at everything from, was it planned? Was it an eruption? Was it something only they could do? How did it make them feel? And it's really eye opening when you do this exercise to see how many things you're doing that other people should be doing or how it's impacting you on from like a, a feeling thing. And and don't get me wrong. You know, there's stuff that nobody likes to do like taxes that you have to do, but that's why you have a CPA or a CFO. And so that I think is the very first step is the awareness of where you're spending your time. And if it's actually important and moving the business forward, because if it's not like, why are you doing it? for one, and is it important enough to even defer to the team or delegate to the team? I mean, sometimes we get confused how we're investing our time. David Meltzer, he's this business speaker, and he was saying, study your calendar, study your calendar. I think it's I think it's really key. Even one of my accountability buddies said, why don't you block out different things to do on different days? And what kind of methodologies and tools should do you recommend for us to be as efficient and actually being productive rather than being busy? So three of my favorite things. So the first is daily themes to your point. So like, for example, Mondays are meeting Mondays, where basically all of our team meetings happen on Monday, and that's it for the week. And then Tuesday and Thursdays are days for clients or you know, networking or anything that's people related and people can book in my calendar on that day. Friday's kind of catch up, also a client day. Wednesdays though, which is my second point, is hands down my favorite day of the week, not because it's hump day, but because it's admin day for me. So this is a day where nothing gets on the schedule, if I can help it. I mean, some days I'm traveling, but not right now. (laughs) Anyway, so Admin days are the days when I am working only on things that move the business forward. So I'm not working in the business, I'm working on the business. So no external calls, no external meetings, not even any internal meetings. It's like a day of uninterrupted progress. And 
when I look at my business pre-admin day and post-admin day, it's like night and day because I can actually get stuff done. I make sure that we've we've got the runway to keep going because a lot of times we get so focused on our team or our current customers that we forget about like making sure that the business is growing and moving forward. And to that point, a lot of what I do is is time blocked. You know, Todd Herman calls this power hours. I think other people call it power hours too. But essentially, if I'm doing something, like if I'm writing content, I'll do a couple of pieces of content in one block rather than 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Because it's just, it's so much more efficient to, to say like, okay, this is what I need to do. And then the last part I would say is big three. I learned this actually from EOS, um, kind of rocks, and actually maybe Darren Hardy. I've studied all the And EOS is related to traction, right? Yep, exactly. What does EOS stand for again? Entrepreneur, what what was it? Operating system, I think. Yeah. I feel like I've studied all of the productivity experts, but what I liked about this is if you think of the, the story of the professor who has the rocks and the sand and the pebbles, and, you know, if you put the sand in, too soon, which are the little things. And then the pebbles and the rock, not everything's going to fit. But if you put the rocks in first and then the pebbles and then the sand, everything fits magically in this jar. And the same is true for your business. So what I do every Sunday and actually at the end of every day is I write down a list. Normally it's a who to do list, not a to do list because you want to utilize your team. But sometimes it's only stuff I can do. And then from there, I look at the things that are a priority and pick the three biggest rocks that if I do nothing else the next day and just those things, that's going to have the biggest impact in the business because that allows me to stay really laser focused on, okay, I need to do X, Y, Z. If I do that, we're going to make this amount of money or we're going to close this deal or it's going to help this client. And I think those are the few things that I would say will make the biggest impact in your business in terms of productivity. Thank you so much. And You're one welcome. question I love to ask is, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is don't be afraid to ask for help. Because I think as entrepreneurs, my SaaS company, case in point, <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed that we were failing or, you know, in any of number of things on the entrepreneurial roller coaster. You know, I think we think that that we're alone or we compare our behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel, that we're really nervous to admit that we need help. But, you know, speaking of gate, you know, I posted in there like a couple months back. I was like, hey, guys, have a, I realized I have a blind spot. Does anybody want to help me with this? I don't remember what exactly it was about. But because of that post, it was so fruitful in terms of, you know, helping me have clarity and direction. And, and I think asking for help is probably one of the single biggest things we can do as entrepreneurs because it, you know, builds camaraderie and it builds confidence. And yes, it's nice to not be alone in the journey. Completely. And I like to compliment that question with, if you could give advice to yourself when you were just graduating high school or college, what would the advice be for that girl? I would say don't pigeonhole myself because that's what I, that's what I did. Right. I pigeonholed myself into the medical field and I mean, it's good. It's good to have expertise and go deep. I'm not saying that, but I think that when you're discovering who you are, 
Like it's so important to try all the things and, you know, try painting or piano or travel the world or something, because I think that's when the greatest ideas come to you is when you're just having fun and trying things out and it helps you to be less serious too. Have you been on a podcast before? I have. Yeah. Awesome. It's interesting to me how many people have not been on a podcast before. And I think that listeners may feel like, oh, they're like good enough to be on. Like we have that thing as a culture where I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not. And I just like get over that nonsense. Like everyone has to start somewhere. I also like to ask, what is your favorite tech tool? Oh, my favorite tech tool. So I am a huge fan of Streak. I love Streak. It's a customizable CRM. I love Teamwork if you're working with a team. Um, I know I gave you two instead of one. And I love Typeform. Oh my gosh, Typeform is one of my favorites in terms of like um, getting information and surveys. And you can do lots of cool things. I'm even, I'm on kind of like their research board, if you will. I get early access to stuff and they're launching quizzes. So it's going to be even more powerful. And Calendly. Oh my gosh. Couldn't live without Calendly. Oh my gosh. Calendly does help. That's a scheduling tool. Definitely check out Calendly. And Calendly has been on the show before. So. (laughs) Ah, there you go. I love them. I love them. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Are you on LinkedIn too? Can everybody find you on LinkedIn? Yes, absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn. Can you spell your name for everybody? Yes, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Goldstein, G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. And I believe I'm wearing a bright red shirt, so I should be easy to find. Awesome, Lauren. Thank you so much. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there, womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Lauren Goldstein, founder and CEO of Golden Key Partnership, where we help companies scale more efficiently, profitably, and sustainably. I'm based in Austin, Texas, and you are listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We are L.A. Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Dan Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind. And her book is insanely well-written. Right when I picked it up, I didn't want to put it down. She teaches me and us how to become the asset, how to be our best selves, and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves, but creates an abundance of opportunity for others. I'm so proud to share her book with you, and I hope you'll pick it up. And I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turned. Get It's About Damn Time at itsaboutdamntime.com.
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.